Hello everybody and welcome to the 91st episode of the Alien First Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks and joining me is my usual partner in crime Adam Zeller aka Bridgetop. Hello again everyone. And also joining us is a member of a specialist unit. It's an elite squad that I have to call in whenever we're doing the expanded universe because Xenomorphin doesn't read the books. Richtop reads them eventually. I was pretty good on this one. <laughs> we had to postpone the last recording because she hadn't finished it. That's true, but I still read it in two days. It just took me a while to get to it. Why you read it over a week and then it's not as bad? Anyway, if you didn't get the joke, this that was a reference to um, the Cold Forge episode in which it was just me and who the fuck, a.k.a. Lee from Xenopedia. And this guy right here... Mr. Chris Travis, a.k.a. Chevy, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, no worries. What's up, everyone? And if at any point during this episode, me or Chris go quiet or you hear a bump, odds are we've passed out from heat exhaustion. Oh, yeah, it's pretty hot over there in Europe, isn't it? Yes, it is. I, I could literally slide off my chair right now. I've had to turn the fan off. It's like that uh, scene in Mass Effect where you've got the uh, the guy in front of the sun. <laughs> The Cerberus employee, whatever his name is. It's ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure he has air conditioning in that room. Come on. Probably. But we ain't. <laughs> no, we do not. Well, it's very nice over here in Utah. So you boys should come visit. See the sights. You know. I love seeing all the comments from the Americans who are like, oh, it's always like that over here. Try coming over here. It's like, no, we're not used to this. It is in a few states. Maybe like Florida and California and Nevada, but certainly not everywhere. You can keep your weather. I keep going outside and expecting to see a predator showing up. You know, the whole drawn to the heat and conflict thing. But anyway, we're not talking predator. We're talking alien. We're talking an alien book, obviously, because Chris is here. So, Ristop, what are we nattering about? We are talking about the first young adult novel in the alien universe titled Alien Echo, written by Mira Grant. And Mira Grant is actually the pen name of Seanan Maguire, who uses the Mira Grant sort of uh, moniker to do horror-related stories. Oh, so like different different branding then, I guess. Uh, she also wrote a Predator short in If It Bleeds, and that was Blood and Sand, I believe that one was called. Also, this is the first alien novel not published by Titan in a good while, published by Imprint, this one. And I assume that's a licensing thing, basically. I assume the young adult falls under... Um, a completely different license. Shall we do? Shall we do synopsis first, and then go into our little thoughts? Well, real quick. So yeah, you guys, if you want to read this, there will be spoilers. Or if you prefer to listen to the book, it's available on Audible. I just want to say I really appreciate Amazon and Audible pretty much doing all the Alien books recently, and and the audio dramas. It's been good to to have all these on audiobook as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I like I managed to digest all my Alien novels. I'm quite looking forward to uh, Alien Isolation coming out in, what, four days? Yeah, there's just the end of this month, so that'll be, I'll for sure be reading that one. I'll be reading that one quickly. <laughs> did this one actually come out at the same time that the book did as well? Yes, which is unusual. Mm, they're, no, they're normally like three or four months afterwards. Yeah, that's why it took so long to get the Cold Forge. <laughs> Mm. But Isolation seems to be out on the day of release as well. Yes. So that will be nice if they maintain that sort of pacing. Um, yeah, so synopsis first then. 
Again, like Rich Top said, there will be spoilers. If you want to go into it fresh, then obviously don't listen. But if you want to listen to our thoughts and everything without reading the book, just so you know a general gist of what's going on, is the blurb. Olivia and her twin sister, Viola, have been dragged around the universe for as long as they can remember. Their parents, both xenobiologists, are always in high demand for their research into obscure alien biology. And that's without a capital A. Just settled on a new colony world, they discover an alien threat unlike anything they've ever seen. And suddenly the sister's world is ripped apart. On the run from terrifying aliens, Olivia's knowledge of xenobiology and determination to protect her sister are her only weapons as the colony collapses into chaos. But then a shocking family secret bursts open, one that's as horrifying to Olivia as the aliens surrounding them. Well, that's not true, in terms of her reaction. Uh, The creatures infiltrate the rich wildlife on this virgin colony world and quickly start adapting. Olivia's going to have to adapt too if she's going to survive. Yeah, it was way more horrifying to some of the other people that that were with her than it was to her. But before we pick apart then, just a brief summaries of what we thought. So I enjoyed the book. You know, I used to read when I was a teenager. I read more young adult books. I specifically remember one by Paul Zindel called Raptor, which I really enjoyed. Surprisingly, it had some adult elements, like it was violent, just kind of like this was. This one had some some brutal moments in it, surprisingly, which I guess for young adult books, you can kind of get away with more in a novel format rather than than other media. So this, this one didn't disappoint there as well. I mean, it's obviously not quite as violent as you might see in in your regular alien novels. Overall, this was a good a good switch up. It was written in first person, which I think the last alien novel I remember being written in that perspective was DNA War that I read. I'm sure there's been another since then, but but this is the first one since then that I've read that's in first person. It might have been in one of the shorts in Bug Hunt, but I honestly couldn't tell you because a lot of Bug Hunt's been blocked from my memory. But I will say, and I, I suspect this will probably be your main complaint too, Aaron, is a lot of this book was bogged down with teenage romance stuff, like in the middle of survival situations, like all the time. And the the kind of frequency in which that came up, I mean, I'm sure if I was a teenage girl reading this book who was into sci-fi, I might appreciate that more. Well, maybe I, I shouldn't make that assumption. I don't know. But as a 30-something alien fan, it, you know... It, it's cool to have to have characters have romantic interests and stuff, but I do think it went a bit overboard with that personally. Still, I really liked the world it created, and I really liked the main character, Olivia, and her sister. And I liked their relationship. Honestly, I liked their relationship a lot more than I liked the relationship between Olivia and her significant other. I also liked the, the two sisters' relationships with, with their parents and how that was described and how they traveled from you know different planet to different planet for business. And because I actually lived in in a mobile home growing up with with my parents. So I kind of, I could relate to that, you know, I would go to a certain school for only like half a year at a time. And then I'd have to meet all new friends whenever we moved. So that was kind of an interesting dynamic and, and how it described the different colony worlds. So I really liked the world it created. And I liked some of the characters. But I think other of the characters were just like, I don't know, they didn't do it for me. But Overall, I would say this was this was a positive read. This was more good than bad, for sure, for me. You know, I don't think I've heard that mobile home story before. I'm always learning things about you. <laughs> Child actor. Have we, have we spoke about that on the show? Because that always gets me. No, no, we haven't talked about it. Yeah, I did, I did some TV shows and commercials when I was little and uh, stage plays, but nothing recently. Uh, well, um, Chevy, do you want to uh, give us your brief thoughts? 
Yeah, sure. So obviously, bearing in mind that this this book is not aimed at us, other than having the title Alien in it. It's not my favorite book, let's say, over the past few releases. It's, it's one of them, like like you said, a love interest thing. That was crazy. Like, there's a time and a place. But it was just like constant, like it's being referenced all the time. Like, oh, what if I want this and whatever? I just wanted to kiss me again. Literally when they're surrounded by dead bodies. Yeah. yeah, it's like, come on. It's one of the few books as well where I find I just don't like any of the characters other than the ship family. I was going to say, really, none of the characters. I just didn't like any of them except for basically Olivia, Viola, and her the parents. mom and the yeah, dad. I agree. That's the only characters I liked. Not even Cora. No, not really. Cora okay. was just like, oh no, oh, oh no, help me. <laughs> it's like, she oh, did have some on. surprising moments where especially when she like took the gun that was mm. like, Oh, okay. She's, she's ready for battle. But there were other moments where she acted really illogical. I thought you could say that about quite a few of the characters, to be honest. Again, I enjoyed the world that it created. I thought it was very unusual uh, for a colony to be like, Oh, we're only going to set up within these walls. We're not going to mess about with the world. Uh, we're going to try and keep it all intact. To me, it was, it was like Adam said, it's an interesting departure from the usual books. It's just definitely not aimed at me. So, I hadn't originally planned to do any coverage on this book, and it wasn't because I thought it was going to be bad. It wasn't that I thought it was bad. As you guys said, you know, it's not aimed at us. So I never planned to do a a podcast. I never planned to do a review. I never planned to do an interview or anything like that, because I just thought it would be, um, you know, disingenuous to do that. But I always planned on reading it, and the book came out. I was on holiday, so I had to get it on ebook. Ugh, ebook. And I read through it while I was away. And it wasn't really until you listened to it, Chevy, and started. we started talking about it and talking about the specifics. And it made me think, you know what? There's actually a lot of elements in here that we really liked. And, you know, there's lots of things in here that I thought were pretty cool, pretty brutal, especially for the... Um, you know, for the genre, the young adult, which we will actually, we'll tackle that first when I've done. And because I think that is, is the biggest point going into this for probably most of the people listening to this, listening to this podcast. And so we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that first. But yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike it at all. My main issue is like you guys, the love distraction, which again, we'll talk about a bit in depth in, in later. But a lot of what happened, I really liked. You know, there's so much in this that I thought was was really interesting and good. There's a lot to like in the book. Mm. There is. Yeah, for sure. I think score-wise, I, I'd sit between a 6 and a 7 out of 10 for it, I think. I don't think I could argue with that. It's no Cold Forge. I'd probably be a 7 as well. For me, it'd be a solid 7. I think it, it earned that. Honestly, I think the best young adult books can be enjoyed by everyone. I mean, look at the Harry Potter books. How many adults have, have enjoyed those? And for me, there was a lot to enjoy about this. I just found the teenage romance stuff mainly to be a bit superficial and out of place, especially in like a hardcore survival situation that they were in. Okay, so let's talk young adult. Now, I don't know about you guys. But when I first read Alien novels, it was when I was in my early teens. So 13, 14, maybe. Likewise, Prey was the first one I ever read. And it was Earth Hive and Nightmare Asylum for me. So, you know, when this news came out, there was a lot of people being all like, oh, it's going to be kiddified and there'll be no violence or all that bollocks. But I know if I was a kid, I say kid, it's young adult. 
it's 14 to 17 kind of thing. I know that I would have been all over this when I was in that age range. Yeah, I remember messaging you saying, yeah, had I been a younger reader, I'd have loved this book, without a doubt. Mm. Because while it says young adult, it doesn't tone down the alien body horror or the violence. Not at all. In terms of the young adult aspects of the book, it is primarily just the character. You know, the protagonist is 17 years old. She's uh, a badass as well, by the way. That was another thing I liked about her. They made her the daughter of, of a trained colonial marine who had taught her bits and pieces. She also had was their apprentice of sorts. I don't know if she was a full colonial marine. Her mother was still a xenobiologist who was deployed with colonial marines. And so I think it was something like Lieutenant Ripley, right? She was like made a lieutenant because she was with the marines, not because she was a longtime marine, but she did do a tour with the marines as a xenobiologist. Yeah, but she she done all the training and stuff, you know, all the weapon handling because her kit, her weapon was um, was a custom piece as well that her mother had put together that was funny too because every time olivia used it she described like oh it feels like it broke my arm <laughs> and if that's dampened recoil you know that must be a beast but yeah so she you know she was an apprentice as well so she had all the xenobiologist some of the xenobiologist knowledge which made it a lot made the flow of the story a lot easier when it came to all the creatures and stuff because there's, there's nothing i hate more in these stories than when the stories stop or the characters have to learn what we already know because it slows them down. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of exposition in this, was there? I mean, there were there no. was some regarding a, the family secret element, but as far as the aliens go, not really. Because she could sort of pick up as well, you know, and assume things based on what she was observing. And I liked that because I thought it helped the story flow through all those bits where the characters have to get to the same knowledge level as the reader. So I liked that about her. But yeah, the the book the book was no less violent, I thought, than any of the others. In fact, the bit with her head, uh, her sister's head, I thought was fucking brutal. You know, the emotional <laughs> damage that that must have been doing to Olivia at that point was like, damn. And Cora's mum getting ripped in half and the alien spilling, the, the chest burst of falling out of her. I think the only thing that would... I would say was toned down was just the descriptions of the gore. Yes, the stuff happens, but it's not explaining in vivid detail uh, the different shades of red of, uh, you know, the, the blood and bodily fluids that were coming out as a result of that. And I didn't think it, I didn't think that detracted from the book at any, you know, at all. About you guys, did you think the uh, violence was adequate as, as Alien fans? Yeah. I mean, for a young adult novel, I didn't expect that much. But again... Uh, some of the adult, uh, young adult novels I did read as a young adult surprised me in that regard too, like uh, Paul Zindel's Raptor, which I actually do recommend that book. That's another young adult book that I really enjoyed. But yeah, the violence, uh, again, it's going to be higher in the other Alien novels right now, for sure. But it wasn't lacking for what you'd expect for Alien. No, nope, I'd have to agree. No, it's pretty in line with other things that I've read. Just like Aaron said, it doesn't describe the different shades of red. It's still pretty graphic in its uh, nature. Yeah, I don't think th- I don't think the young adult genre precludes that kind of violence. I mean, you have an entire series in Hunger Games built around the premise of children killing each other. So I think to jump to that conclusion based on the genre alone is um, is foolish. Basically, would you say it's more of the romance side than it leads on? Yes, yes, yeah. certainly. 
again, but that's that's something Hunger Games did as well. You know, in the middle of all that, it was um, the love triangle going off. You know what? That that was something I I did sort of struggle with was was the romance because. You know, I remember being 16, 17, 18, and I remember being fucking horny as fuck and thinking about girls all the time. But I don't know if I would have been thinking about it in the middle of a life and death situation. <laughs> yeah, as I said, time and a place. It's just... Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, I don't know because you've got I mean, the whole... Um, if it's your first, banging for... If it's your first relationship and... You know, things are looking good, and then both of you are thrust into a life and death situation, maybe. But even still, like, it seemed excessive. Like, a little bit would be like, okay, but there were so many moments where it's like, okay, stop and make out, even though there's all this horror around us that it's like, uh, I don't know. You're right, though. I, I think we're all on the same page about the romance in the book. Thing was, I've read it through twice now. And I remember that being my issue from my first read-through, was it just felt like it was constant. But on my second time through, it didn't actually feel as bad. I didn't know whether I'd played it up too much in my head as to how big of an issue it was. See, I don't know, because you mentioned to me the first time round about engine oil, and then all I could pick up on my second listen-through was <laughs> engine oil. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I made sure to keep a little bit of track of that, and I think it only actually came up two or three times. You know, in in the last half of the book, when all the shit actually goes off, it's towards the end as well. I think it's quite a bit towards the end. I say it, it didn't feel like that much on the second time. I mean, it was definitely there, and this is of course in reference to the fact that Olivia was just constantly, well, not constantly as I'm arguing here, but frequently enough was just mentioning how um, Cora tasted like motor oil, motor oil, yeah, which I thought was an odd detail. I mean, I, I don't. Have you have you guys ever? Yeah, I thought you know, that was a little a mechanic, a little odd too. I mean, yeah, she she finds out that Core was spending a lot of time in the space docks uh, doing mechanic work, which like solved the mystery near the end of the book. But I don't know. I mean, you'd have to be spending a lot of time and whiffing a lot of <laughs> a lot of unhealthy fumes, like <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that was kind of a an odd detail. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, so I think we're all we're all not too keen on on the romantic elements. It's of too the, much um, kissing. Just, just no, stop. Get a rose. Stop. You're being chased. <laughs> but yeah, I was as glad. I was just glad it wasn't as bad as I actually remembered it being, from my perspective. Anyway, I mean, obviously, you guys feel a bit different. No, I'm I'm hamming it up. It it honestly like it was excessive, but it wasn't like it's not horrendous. Yeah, it didn't get to the point where I was like eye rolling. Like it was almost there, but not quite. <laughs> oh, my eye rolls, Michael. I just hate that guy. Oh yeah, agreed. Like, just, just, well, just agreed. We were supposed to. Maybe hate we him. should actually go through the story before we talk about all the details. Well, you know what? I'll let you run through that because I hate doing. Okay, it. I'll 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 take a stab at it this time. So we start with Olivia, who is out in the jungle or the the outdoors or whatever you want to call it on this alien planet and she has a little food dish out to document animals that are going to come up and take the food and maybe i'm giving too much detail <laughs> she has a, a snuffle squirrel that i guess is her name for one of the or just the colonist name for one of the local wildlife that comes up and eats out of the dish and then this other larger creature grabs that and eats the snuffle squirrel and it is a lion worm and these lion worms will actually play a bigger part in the story going forward. I guess they're like the main predatory creature 
on this planet and they come in a number of different sizes. And one of them killed a colonist a while back, which I think was the original reason that the ship family was brought there. Yeah, that's that's right. To document wildlife and uh, inform the colony of threats and stuff like that. Olivia also sees a third creature come out, which I guess is like this. I can't remember what she calls it, but it's like a deer that looks like it doesn't have skin and it has a forked tongue. It was actually kind of a cool looking creature I imagined in my head based on her description. That's one of the things about this particular story is it has such a crazy and diverse wildlife of this planet. Yeah, ecosystem. Yeah, it's one of the things I liked about it. Not only the animals, but the grass and the flowers and stuff that they describe mm. like predatory grass and that like orange soaks sky. up blood and stuff. Yeah, and the orange sky of the planet. So... Before we crack on too further with with that, then what did you guys feel about that that ecosystem and that wild, uh, wildlife? You know, did it feel I really like feel I really alien liked it. or did it feel a because this was a planet that could support life, and obviously with the marines and, and bug hunts and stuff, like it, you do know that that they have found indigenous life forms on different planets. And so this this kind of gives an idea that colonists might have to deal with that. And sometimes these life forms aren't always going to be friendly. But there were some life forms there that just acted like regular animals. You know, they just wanted to avoid us. And the book kind of makes a point of that as well. And even the lion worms, even though they weren't predatory, they weren't like actively hunting humans all the time. So yeah, I really liked that, uh, the descriptions of the planet and the plant life and the animal life on the planet. I mean, it did feel pretty lush. Like with the movie Predators, that was one of the, the complaints, right? Is that the the alien planet they were on didn't feel like an alien planet. Like it felt like you know, Texas and Hawaii <laughs> pretty much without really any wildlife compared to something like Avatar, right? Where it's just this completely alien ecosystem. I mean, this was obviously more subtle than Avatar. It didn't quite get that crazy with with its planetary ecosystem. But it was still really interesting how they described it, in my opinion. So in my opinion, Zagreus, which is the planet, is probably one of the highlights of this book for me because it just feels alive in a sense. Uh, Having all these different creatures added to basically canon because I think it's canonical, is it not? Because they're carrying on with the comic. I don't know. Everything's canon until the next Ridley Scott movie, so... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's one of these things where it's just nice to have... Stuff like this is great because it fleshes things out in the world. So even like the orange sky and how she was sick of it being an orange sky because it was like, oh my God, fire. It just reminds her things are things are burning. And as you said with the uh, the lion worms, her and her father, was say, they were saying, weren't they, about they weren't a threat then, but they were starting to learn that humans are actually quite tasty. So maybe later on, there might have had to have been an intervention from colonial marines for one of these bug hunts, as they call them. So, I I found Zagreus, certainly the setting, it's one of the more interesting things about this book. Yeah, I I agree. I liked it, but I also really have a thing where I'm getting a bit bored of LV426 type planets now. You know, it was one of the things I really liked about Covenant was that Paradise was this jungle world, you know, it was beautiful New Zealand. So, I dig that in this. I especially liked the grass kind of thing. Uh, I thought that was... Blood drinking grass awesome Mm. but continuing on with the plot so she she goes back to her residence of her family which she describes as they live apart from the colony she also goes into detail how different colonists have different rules and different laws even though they're all kind of governed by earth laws they all have their own ways of doing things like some live in more personal habitats others live in like residential towers and stuff like that but in this one they 
live in their own habitat that's a little ways off from the boundaries of the colony. And it's interesting how she describes that as well, how they come in there and they like flash burn the ground and they set up this like biodegradable plastic foundation and they essentially construct their house on each new world they go to and then they just pack it up and leave and go to the next one there there was a lot in that little bit that i liked actually i especially liked you know again doing something different because we're so used to it always being uh wayland yutani so for this particular colony zagreus you know it was a non uh, a non-corporate funded venture so that was really cool because it then also highlights you know all the differences in these other colonies different cultures different ways of doing things like this uh, zagreus their thing was um they wanted to make as little impact on the planet as they could you know so they were restricting themselves to the area of what they could import in to build at the same uh, time like they that. were also very afraid of the planet and olivia makes a point of that like they they would rarely go beyond the boundaries of of the colony walls most of them yes yes and you know what that was another element that i quite liked was them being outsiders you know the ship family literally being outside the colony because i thought that actually tied in quite nicely to um young adult themes you know there's a fear when you're uh, when you're that old of being you know on the outside yeah pardon the pun so how intentional that was or not i don't know but i thought that was i thought that was a really nice thematic thing in the book yeah i agreed i thought so as well i mean it did go a little I don't know if I'd call it overboard again later, because once, you know, the situation starts unfolding with the aliens, a lot of people are unfairly blaming their family. Like, oh, you brought this upon us with like no facts at all about the situation. Just like, oh, these are the outsiders. It must be their fault. And I don't know, maybe that's how people would act. (laughs) But I would like to have some faith in humanity that most people wouldn't just jump to that. But I don't know. What did you Mm -hmm. feel about that, Aaron? I mean, people are bastards. So... I don't know. Specifically blaming... Well, when it came to blaming them, it was because it was their profession. They were supposedly there to catalogue the creatures that could cause them harm. So I feel like the blame's placed on them as, you know, it's their responsibility to identify those sort of life form. Obviously, the aliens aren't native to Zagreus and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, people are bastards and I can quite easily see that happening. Chris, any thoughts on, you know, any of, the, any of those last three points? Again, I think it's just... The Michael character, I just, I don't know. I will get to that. We'll get to that. I yeah. hate Michael too. <laughs> because with with the blame, uh, her dad actually says, oh, such and such has died, which is Michael's mom. And then he's like, no, she's on the shore. It's like, Peter, uh, what? <laughs> we'll we'll get know. to that. Okay, so, we'll so get Olivia that. gets home and her parents are still out in the field doing their xenobiologist work and stuff. So she was out there because apparently she gets a cut of any new discovery she finds. Like it gets put into a fund for her. And they're they're both 17. They're almost 18. And she doesn't want to keep up this jumping from planet to planet lifestyle forever, specifically because her sister, who's her twin sister, has a autoimmune disorder, which eventually, as far as her knowledge, could prove fatal. And she's under the impression that there are much better doctors back on Earth. And so she wants to save up money to take her sister back to Earth to see better doctors to to potentially get treatment for her autoimmune disorder. Now, I was thinking to myself, well, why don't her parents just take her back to Earth? But that's revealed later. There is some logic to that. But yeah, her sister is is pretty much bedridden for the most part. I mean, she'll still get up and and walk around and 
But you can tell they had a really close relationship as as sisters. I mean, she specifically says like they've always slept in the same room their whole life. And a lot of times they'll just, you know, keep each other warm at night. So it was an interesting relationship and dynamic between the, the twin sisters because they did have personality differences. And Olivia goes into those personality differences, how she's more, Olivia's more like her mom and Viola's more like her dad, I guess. Isn't that what she said? Something along those lines? Yeah, I think so. But anyway, Olivia is actually preparing for a date at this point with a local colonist girl named Cora and Viola's, you know, giving her who you're going on a date, you know, giving her crap for that. And so Cora shows up and... Olivia does spend a lot of time in her head talking about, oh, she's so beautiful, like really going into it. And then she takes her out on this ATV, which the ATV is used a lot in this book. There is a lot of traveling from place to place with this ATV. And it is like a five-seater. But there's some cool sequences with them. It's a five-seater ATV that she takes out without permission to take Cora to this flower field that's like these massive flowers that are closer to like fungus than flowers. Another one of the interesting plant lives that were uh, described in the book. And for one reason or another, Cora brings up Michael, who is this local colonist boy who has really mistreated and teased Olivia. Of course, Olivia's like, why the fuck would you bring him up? (laughs) Naturally, you know, right? And Cora kind of reveals that this whole date thing was a dare because Michael didn't think Cora actually had, or sorry, Olivia actually had a sister because Olivia's sister, Viola, I guess, videos in to the classes, their their local high school classes in the colony. She can't actually go there because her autoimmune disorder. So leaving the house would be dangerous for her. And so Michael was kind of spreading the rumor that, oh, this was all just a trick. And Olivia doesn't really have a twin sister. And she's faking this so the family can get extra resources, which is silly. And Olivia brings up this point because they have an exemption from the resource rationing requirement anyway, which they, they do a lot of their own recycling and stuff with the water supply out of the colony. So this kind of gets them into a, I wouldn't say a fight, but it just kind of sours the date, I suppose, until Olivia hears that I guess Cora still was was interested in her and still wanted to see her. And this was kind of an excuse for her to do that. While saving yeah. face. And then they get attacked by a lion worm. Now, before you go on from that, you know when Cora brings up Michael... There's this whole thing where she stops the ATV and she throws the keys away. Did anybody else pick up on a lot of power plays by Olivia in situations like that where she would threaten to leave people behind? Yeah, she knew they were fucked. Yeah, yeah, because it was, you could tell the ship family was way more adventurous than any of the colonists. And these colonists did not know what they were doing on this world for the most part. So that that was kind of her power play. Like, yeah, I'll just leave. I'll it was just a bit cunty, I thought. No, because honestly, the times that she threatened it, I think the other characters genuinely deserve to be threatened with it. So um, I don't know. I it just it rankled me wrong. Generally, because I don't like power plays. But up to those points, I was really, really, really liking Olivia. You know, all her inner monologuing, all her, you know, all her dialogue, her relationship with her sister, the way she spoke about everything that was around her. I thought she was fucking wonderful. Really fun to be around. Really fun to listen to. But then when she started doing stuff like that, I was a bit. Well, to be fair, I think she was kind of joking the first time with 
because she just wanted an excuse for them to be there longer. Kind of. I don't think it was actually a threat because otherwise she would just kept the keys for herself. And I think she kind of goes into that as well. And again, I think the times later in the book where she does threaten that for real, it's merited in my opinion. I think as well at this point, you haven't met Michael. You do not realize how much of a douchebag he is. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, Michael's a raging, raging balland. So they have their date and she saves her from the lion worm. I'm, I'm kind of going to go through this a little more quickly here. She saves her from the lion worm. They kiss. Uh, and then um, they go back to their home with her, with Olivia's parents there waiting for her arms folded. And Cora says, oh, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Shiv. And then she she walks back to the colony. And Olivia, you know, has the sit down. She's in trouble with her parents and her sister's there too. And her sister kind of bails her out a little bit. And she tells her parents, oh, Michael's spreading rumors that Olivia doesn't, or Viola doesn't exist. Her sister doesn't exist as kind of a deflection. So she won't get in trouble for taking the ATV. Her parents, uh, that works. They're more mad at the colonists than anything else. But her mom's still a little angry at her because she put the colonial governor's daughter in danger because Cora is the daughter of the uh, colonial governor. I can't remember her mom's name. But yeah, she her mom essentially runs the colony. So yeah, I mean, after that, it kind of goes to the next day after just like family, family talk and stuff like that. And they're in high school. And this is where we meet Michael. And Michael is just this asshole who's there to be an asshole. Like he hates the ships, but apparently he's a longtime friend of Cora's. And so I guess during lunch. It's romantic rivalry. I yeah, because he, he wants Cora for himself. It's obvious, but Cora is definitely more interested in Olivia. So during lunch, Olivia sits next to Cora. They make a scene and kiss in front of everybody. And then later after class, Michael assaults Olivia in an alley and pretty much tells her, you're, you stay away from, from Cora. She's mine. And Olivia bites him and they get into a scuffle and Olivia warns him like, listen, my parents knew there would be undesirables like you on colonies and I know self-defense, so knock it off. And so he eventually like scoffs and walks off. I really wanted it to kick his ass. I yeah. wanted it so well. Bad. Eventually, yeah, she does. Already, <clears throat> eventually, she does. Not enough, in my opinion. Not enough. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I think it was like with Sudler, where I just hated Michael that much that I wanted the worst, yep. most Joffrey-like death for him. <laughs> so I, I should have mentioned at this point earlier when she did have her date with Cora, she kind of alluded to, "Oh, maybe we should have a party at my parents' house when they're both." working. And this kind of develops and they talk about it during that last lunch encounter as well. They wouldn't want to have more than six people at this party because the house is not very big. And so she leaves it to Cora to decide the guest list. And she even invites Michael before he assaults her. (laughs) And he's still invited for some reason after that. So it kind of moves ahead like she describes the next couple of weeks, they get closer and then the, the party comes along. But there's also this tension with her parents, um, which I, I also should have mentioned during the last talk she had with her parents. She was like, there's something else you guys are irritated about. I can tell. And her dad was like, well, I have a, a new opportunity. The colony has purchased this ship in orbit, this uh, ship that's to be decommissioned and will be salvaged 
for an expansion for the colony. But he's like, the ship has to be you know, cleared for biohazard. So I have to go up there and run analysis on the ship. And we don't know what's up there. It could be something dangerous. It sounds like he's suspicious of something dangerous. And their mother doesn't doesn't want him to do this, but he wants to do this because he thinks it could be a big paycheck for them. So on the day of the party, he's getting ready to go up into orbit to clear the ship of any potential biohazard. And we all know how that's going to go. And her mother is going out into the field. So they have their party and the teenagers walk over to the house of Olivia and Viola. They get inside and Michael's being a dick and Cora kind of like, hey, cut it out, you know, elbows him. And then he's starting to be a little nicer for a moment. And then they all get inside and they see that, of course, her sister is real, Viola. And she teases Michael about it because he was the one spreading those rumors that she was just Olivia pretending. I wonder if he genuinely believed that because, you know, when when Viola put him in his place, it's the kind of thing you hate is, um, well, I expect you hate is when, you know, you're faced with somebody confronting you with the truth. So I I wonder if he went there believing that she didn't really exist because he was such a coward that I can't see him actually doing it. If he thought she was there yeah. to mock him and prove him wrong. Well, eventually he uh, he does feel like he was right. <laughs> and we'll get to that. But well, So yeah. then in the middle of their party, the shit hits the fan. The alarms in the, the house go off and they get a video message by Olivia's father, who has said there's been a terrible situation in the, the clearing of the ship in orbit. There were aliens on board. And then we essentially see an alien come in and kill him on screen. He's just like saying, you guys need to get out of there, take the ship and go. And I think he says something like Michael's mother, who I can't remember her name, took the ship to try and escape to the colony, but they don't know they might be carrying the biohazard. So at that point, Viola just bolts out of there and leaves. And, you know, unnaturally fast for this girl who's been bedridden. And so Olivia's like, I have to go get my sister. I have to go get my mother because my mother's still out in the field. Who's coming with me? Which is kind of a dumb idea. She should have just been like, all of you go back to the colony. So two people go with, three people go with her. Cora, Michael, and another one of the teenagers. I can't remember his name. So this is what I'm saying about... Peter? This is what I'm saying about the other characters. They're just so forgettable. Any book is going to have like filler characters, I guess. And some of the other teens fit that. It's not that you know, many characters though in the book. Can, cannon fodder. Anyway. Oh, certainly cannon fodder. <laughs> so they drive off to look for her sister. Oh, and before that, Michael literally chokes her in the doorway saying like, this is your parents' fault and da 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 da. And again, she twists his arm, puts him in his place and she's like, don't do this again or I'm not going to give you another warning. And then in the ATV while they're driving, they see a escape pod coming down and Michael freaks out because he thinks his mother's on that pod. So again, he attacks uh, Olivia, who's driving, and she turns around and chokes him. And she's like, you can look for your mom if you want, but we're going after my sister and my mother first because this is my ATV. So yeah, by this point, Michael's assaulted her three times, four times, I think. And it will be more in the view of of her significant other. So keep this in mind. Anyway, they find her. How how do they come across her, her sister? They find her mother first, right? No, no, they find uh, Viola stood motionless. Oh, that's right. In tall grass, isn't it? Yeah, because that, that's when the aliens show yeah. up. Yeah, it's just looking at her. But then the aliens get hit by 
one of these rhinos, right? That her mother sent after. Yes, because then it turns out that, well, I, I don't know how intentional that was, but yeah, her mother shot it to cause a stampede elsewhere. Yep. So they all, they're all like together and they all ride back to the, the colony at this point. Oh, the, the, the other dude, oh, that's dead, right. by the way. The other teenage dude, point. who I couldn't remember his name, the cannon fodder, he bolted. I think alien got him. And what's Olivia's mother's name again? Catherine. Catherine. Right. So Catherine, Olivia, Viola, Cora, and Michael at this point are who we have in the ATV. They go back to the um, the ship residence, and she sees that there are three other teenagers there. And Catherine's like, oh, shit, you know, more people to take care of in a survival situation here. So she pretty much tells them, look, you know, we're your best chance for survival. Of course, Michael's freaking out about all this. Like, we just need to go to the, back to the colony and tell them everything and da-da-da-da-da. And... I think at this point, my memory's fading here at this part. So she, this is where we get the big reveal because she, she heard her father say something in the video, like, Oh, you need to tell Olivia it's time. She knew about this because that emergency message was actually meant for Catherine and Catherine's like, Oh, I shouldn't have to do this on my own. This was something we were going to do as a family. Just before you drop the bombshell. There is there has been a couple of questions up to now as to why the alien didn't attack That's Olivia true. because th- there's these pollen clouds that mask scent, so they're like, well, maybe it didn't go for her because she was in right. the pollen, so it, it couldn't see her. Couldn't because smell that's her. how it was with the lion worms; she would mask herself with the. That's the pollen, it. Yeah. But the other guy got out of the ATV and instantly got downed by another one. So it's like, well, it can't be that. And the mother, Catherine, is saying, it's not that. It's not that. Trust me, it's not that. Big surprise. (laughs) In an alien piece of media, her sister's an android. So her sister died from that autoimmune disorder when she was really young. Like Like three or four. Three years old. But her parents still wanted her to have a normal upbringing. So they kind of, they, I guess, downloaded her memories somehow and put them in the body of an android. And they would keep replacing the android body as she got older so that Olivia could have a normal childhood with a sister and not have like this massive loss of her sister. And they were going to sit down as a family and tell her that when she was 18. And I, I actually really liked this, this dynamic. It was interesting too. Olivia went into it like, oh, was this why? You... Well, she kind of thinks about this, I think, because her parents always taught her to really respect machinery and tools and things she was was working with, like even the ATV, like they were irritated her from just a couple dents. And so her parents, she was wondering, maybe my parents were trying to like teach me empathy for technology because this day would eventually come. And Olivia actually takes it pretty well, I think. She's still like, well, she's still my sister. You know, she's all I've ever known. So whatever other sister I did have, I, I don't remember anyway. This is my sister, Android or not. See, I, I really think as well, the, the parents' motive behind it is beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I love it. And I especially like the fact that Olivia's just like, she's still my sister because she's all I've ever known, which is like, like for me and my brother, me and my brother got different parents and things like that. But we didn't know until quite a long way through our lives. It's like, it doesn't matter because you're still my brother. You're all I've ever known. Mm-hmm. It's, that, it's that kind of thing. I mean, it's a bit different. It's not a machine. But hey, that's not what they're aiming for. It's She is her own person. She is very different from your average android. Yeah. And they, they specify that too. Like, uh, of course, the other teens start 
like immediately insulting her and calling her it and calling her a machine, especially Michael, who's like, I knew it. She wasn't real. And she's like, well, technically I'm, I'm an Android. I'm not a robot. I'm, you know, I, I have my own consciousness. I'm not just designed for one specific purpose. I am my own individual, but Androids are also banned on this planet. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For one reason or another, I can't remember. I think it was because they couldn't, they couldn't control the normal motives from an Android, but because this was such a unique case was the reason they allowed it. It was based on a person. Yes. I think that Olivia's reaction to that just, it was another one of those moments where it endeared me to her character so much more. Just because that level of empathy, you know, it was, it's one of those moments where you know somebody is a genuinely good person. So I really love that. But before you go further with this, I have to ask, because I'm going to pass it to Chris first, so I don't feel so foolish here. Who saw it coming? Nope. So none of the hints. I saw it coming. When, when there was like the secret discussion and her parents were like, oh, we need more processing power. I was like, something's up with her sister. I didn't immediately suspect Android because I was like, well, her sister grew up with her. Like, how is That's it like it. a growing Android body or what? But it's like, no, they just replaced her body. And as she got older, she needed more processing power for accumulated mm-hmm. memories. There's so many curveballs, like with yeah. the pollen. I mean, in, like in hindsight, you know, when I read it through the second time, I picked up on all the hints, all of them. <laughs> Ding, ding. <laughs> it's like when I was reading Dust to Dust, I did not see that Android reveal coming at all whatsoever, and it made me feel like a, a giant fool <laughs> when, it, yeah. when it happened and everybody else was like, saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I saw it coming a mile it. away, but I saw it coming maybe a half mile away. It leads me on to my second question. Are we done with secret Androids in in alien books and stories and stuff. I don't know. I mean, that's been a staple since the very first alien movie. I don't think that's ever going to go away as much of a trope as it's become in this franchise. I think that's always going to be. Would you like it to? I think it, as long as it's done in a new unique way. And I think it was in this, honestly, the whole sister dynamic and the fact that she grew up with this Android artificial person, whatever you want to call it. I think as long as it's done well and done in a new unique way, but I think it should be used sparingly. I don't think it should be in every alien piece of media for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Honestly, this this, book was well done. This story reminded me a lot of Dust to Dust with a colony setting. I mean, there were some key differences, but there were also a lot of similarities. Yeah, young young protagonist, backwater colony. Loses their family, Mm. which is coming up. Yeah, so speaking of something jumps on, on the roof, which is an alien, and the mother gives her her old colonial marine bag, gives her a weapon and pretty much says like, listen, it's you and your sister. Now you have to take care of each other. And then the mother runs outside to distract the aliens so they can get away to the colony. She's like, go to the colony, get on our ship. Cause the family owns a small ship that's docked. And she's just like, get out of here. And the mother runs outside and is taken by the aliens, which again, that's kind of a thing in this book where this is not the last time that a character's like, save yourself. I have to die here. Go without me. Like that happens a little excessively in my opinion. But I mean, I don't know if, if it was a whole colony being destroyed by this scourge, maybe that would naturally happen between a lot of people. So at this point, they all get in the ATV and they go back to the colony. And Michael's like, I think Cora has, has a gun at this point. Oh, no. 
I missed another Michael assault. So Michael, yeah, Michael, <laughs> Michael <laughs> assaults her in front of her mother. And at first her mother's like, well, I can't make him do anything. Like, cause Cora's like, can't you make him stop? And that was kind of a weird response from the mother too. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you can't make him do anything? Yeah. Fucking And then he like swings at her. And then her mother does something. She fires off a warning shot at him. And Cora is also holding him at gunpoint. And he's like, what? You're making me out to be the bad guy. Like, and I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, you know. <laughs> and so this is a little bit before her mother sacrifices herself. Then they get in the car and Michael's like, why don't you give me a gun? And Cora's like, no, you know. <laughs> but Cora says, you know, not because you're an irrational person who's assaulted my girlfriend like f- five times by now, but because you didn't do good in your marksman class. <laughs> And so they're driving back to the colony and Michael attempts a fucking mutiny where he just attacks Olivia while she's driving. It turns into this massive scuffle in in the car. And I can't remember exactly how that played out because I was kind of eye rolling at that point. I was like, can this guy just die already? I believe Viola interjects. Yeah. In that one. Yeah. Because she, you know, is an android. She's pretty strong. So they get to the colony. And they're all about to to go in. Like, we've had casualties. I guess the security people at the gate have been pretty nice to Olivia during her time living on that planet. And they're just kind of in shock because they've never dealt with a situation that these teens are talking about. Like, oh, people are dying. We need, you know, there's a biohazard here. We need guns. We need guns. People are dying. We need guns. And <laughs> at this point, Michael's like, no, she's not coming in here referring to Viola because she's an android. And androids aren't allowed in the colony. Viola tries to push past him. They get into a scuffle and Olivia's like, yeah, enough of this shit. So Olivia gets into a total fucking brawl with Michael and they're literally just fist fighting. And then the aliens show up. Viola sees the aliens show up. She runs out as a distraction. I think throws a rock at one of them or something. There's actually a beautiful description in here on how one of the aliens is like perched on a very small piece of metal and it, it's acting like it's effortless on how it's doing it. And it's just like Olivia. Oh yeah. Basically observing. I remember that part. again. She, she was like the um, something with that weight shouldn't be able to just sit effortless, effortlessly on the wall. Yeah, like, like it's this. nothing. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a good description. The, the, the bit in the book that Chris is talking about is um, the creature doesn't move. It doesn't seem to care about how much effort it should take for something of its size to sit on a flat vertical surface like the wall. It just crouches, perfectly balanced, preparing to strike. There you go. And then it does. And it takes, one of them takes Viola. One of them takes Michael. And security sees this happen. And they close the gates in time for Cora and Olivia to get in the colony. And, and, uh, at this point, uh, Olivia's like, well, I, I need to talk to your mother, Cora, because she's the only one who knows about that ship that was purchased by the colony to be scrapped for the expansion. And so Cora takes her to her mother's, which I guess is this nice kind of penthouse because she's the governor of the colony. And then there's this interesting confrontation between Olivia and Cora's mother, where she pretty much demands that you need to tell me what happened. And of course, Cora's uh, mother is pretty resistant to this at first. Like, no, I don't need to tell you anything. You're a teenager. But then she pulls a gun on her and she's like, I lost my parents and my sister. So yeah, you do need to tell me. And Cora joins with Olivia and draws a gun on her own mother and is like, yeah, you need to tell her mama. 
And she, she calls her mom a lot. It's weird. And then she kind of gives this exposition on, okay, well, we purchased this ship that was stolen. It was a science ship that Weyland yutani was sending to be scrapped. No, they, they weren't sending it to be scrapped. They were sending it to be like it was, um, quarantined or something. I don't know. No, pi- pirates, pirates yeah. hijacked the ship before the ship got to where it was supposed to be going. And the pirates killed the... Um, no, they they said uh, the they said something else about it, like like Wayland Yutani was sending the ship to, to, to be a research facility. Really, I thought I'm sure there was yeah. something about pirates. No, there, there was, was. Pirate, pirates, pirates killed the research pirates guy. took the ship, but I think they were saying she said something like Wayland Yutani was sending the ship to be decommissioned, but there were still scientists on it. So I was thinking like maybe an outbreak happened on the ship and Wayland Yutani knew about it and sent the ship to automatically be sent to be destroyed or something. I don't know. I don't, um, I don't think that was the case. I'm going to Yeah, I'm looking as well. <laughs> but then but then I think I think it's split into two. Don't you find out about different bits during each confrontation with, with Cora's mom, whose uh, name is... Pre- I'm pretty sure her name's uh, Delilah. Yeah, that's or right. Delia. Okay, here we go. I think I found out. Yeah, the ship was stolen. Smuggler seized it en route to some big company... Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. Big company scrapyard. But here's the thing. It was fully operational when they took it. There were people on board, scientists. Why would there be people on a ship that was being See, scrapped? I told you. So, so, and so, I think she doubts it here. There's a research facility out there, a secret one, one they don't want people to know about, one they've dedicated enough to concealing that they're willing to write off the loss of an entire ship in order to keep it from being found. So, I think that was just a booking thing. I think it was writing it off the books to keep the base secret. I wonder if it's supposed to be the black site from um, Resistance, or I wonder if it's just some other sequel bait entirely. That'd be interesting, because there's been a lot of tie-ins from one piece of media to the other. Yeah, so anyway, at this point, she explains, you know, I knew the ship was stolen, but I didn't know the scientists, I guess, were killed by the uh, the pirates. She was like, we had nothing to do with that. But I suppose the pirates found out that the ship was a biohazard and uh, sealed it up themselves, but they still wanted money for it, so they sold it. And that's why Delilah was like, well, I need to run a biohazard because something's sketchy about this ship. And indeed there was, but she got a steal on the ship. So essentially she is responsible for the colony's downfall pretty much because of greed. Olivia goes to wash herself up because she's all bloodied at this point. And of course, Cora is pretty disappointed in her mother about all this. And Olivia is like, well, I'm going to go find my sister. And then I'm going to get off this planet. Cora's like, oh, I'm coming with you. And so they go together. They get back in the ATV. And I think she says, oh, no, they need to stop first at her parents because there's some additional things she she wanted to collect. So she goes back to the ship residence and goes into her mother's office and finds a message that I guess was programmed if they, you know, something serious happened where she pretty much told Olivia that their bank accounts, all the money they had been saved are now transferred to Olivia. And this would allow them to, you know, start a new life and that she has um, her new legal guardian is Catherine's brother back on earth and that they should go to him and he would take care of them. And he works for Whaling yutani interestingly enough, in uh, their research division, I think, or something along those lines. Who's betting that it's going to end up being McLaren? Because if it's her mother's brother than ships not her maiden name wasn't it the father's brother i thought it was the mother's i don't remember now are you talking about whoever ends up marrying amanda yeah. ripley hmm 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm willing Maybe. to put a couple of quid on that. That would be interesting. So yeah, and she also, um, I guess this was in her her backpack that she got earlier. But she looks in there, and it's pretty much everything required to maintain her sister Viola as an android and upgrade her processing power and transfer her consciousness into a new body once she gets older. So she has all the information she needs to maintain her sister going forward, which again is an interesting concept. If you think about it, I think there's something else her mother told her as well. That's, that's of note. Do you remember Aaron? It might've been the ship. They had control to the ship yeah. now. Uh, their the yacht, her vast ships getting confused with the name and um, <laughs> their, their space vessel. I'm sure that was, and I there. think she got an additional weapon. This is when she gets like the power weapon. Yeah, right? she, she gets a mum's um, hunting pistol. Yeah. Or did she have that earlier? Was that just in the backpack, I think? But she pulls it out now at this point. Anyway, something along those lines. So then they they go to find her sister and they see, I guess she also sees on her mother. This is what I was thinking of. She sees on her mother's computer that she was examining these caves by these mountains. And she noticed, oh yeah, that the escape vessel that we saw crash earlier crashed right by these mountains. So she says it's natural that these aliens would probably try and hide out in these caves. And so she drives to the caves and they find uh, an alien hive, which they kind of sneak into and they find Michael strung up. They find her mother strung up and they find her sister not strung and up. And a load of wildlife. Oh, right. Including what looked like a chest-bursted lionworm. We haven't actually described the lionworms as much as we talked about them. So the lionworms are one of the apex predators of the planet along with the hippo things and rhino hippos i forget what they i forget what that one was but they're basically these little i say little they grow to pig sized but they're bloody vicious so they have like a a face that's all beak these weird i'm not sure how you pronounce it celia 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 side of the body caterpillar feelers or whatever like going down their body detecting air disturbances and scents and stuff like that and they're little fuckers because they actually attack Cora and Olivia earlier when they're out on their date and that's one of those other moments that's sort of there to make uh, Olivia you know a, a hero because of how she deals with the situation using her knowledge of you know all the the xenobiology and, and the spore pollen that's already been mentioned to to hide them and stuff like that. So, you know, these are one of the beasts of, of Zagreus. And as she's looking through the hive, you know, she sees one that's been chestburst and sees a whole family unit of them that's been um, strung up on the walls as well. Right. So th- they sneak in there and they find her sister standing there and her sister's like quietly telling them to leave. And of course, she's like, we're not going to leave you. We're here to get you. And then an alien shows up and they hide in uh a this bit bothers me so much. Next to Michael. So you, you didn't you didn't like this thing, this Chris? This was dumb. They hide in a little, uh, uh, I guess, a pretty much a hole in the wall by Michael. And Michael's kind of moaning and breathing, so it masks any sounds that, that they're making. So the alien passes by them. Well, they get no, it, it was it specifically talked about, like, the heartbeat. Uh, Chris, go on. You know, have a wind. Yeah, basically, they hide next to Michael and... The reason apparently that the alien just bypasses him, even though it stood right next to him, is because Michael's heart's beating so fast that it couldn't detect them. Bullshit. Hey, people have hidden in, in aliens media before, like pretty close. To hey, it. man. Well, they've been alien quiet. isolation. If I'd have done that, I'd have been fucking dead. 
I can't tell you how many moments in Alien Isolation where I was under a desk and it was like right next yeah, to me. Yeah, that's as much as Xenomorphin complains about the game, I will give him that in terms of stretching believability in terms of the law. I'm not sure hiding under a table. No, it wouldn't work. No. I mean, I thought I personally thought it was an interesting notion. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with the heartbeat masking thing. I'm surprised you you do, to be honest. It, it looked, apparently, the way they described it, it looked, and it was very curious about it. So it was like, oh, it's fucking weird, this. Well, I'll just carry on. Also, important detail here, Viola is missing one of her legs, which I guess she was saying, because their mother is strung up and has been implanted. And that's another thing. Olivia notices, like, some dry mouth and cracks along the mouth on both Michael and her mother. And she pretty much theorizes, Oh, something's happened to them. Some sort of insects implant embryos like this could be similar. So she kind of picks up on that concept of, of implantation pretty quickly. Did, did you like that marker? Cause that's not, I can't think of any other media that has used that as a thing. I mean, there's a, there's a cool bit in one of the old alien covenant scripts where I think it's Lope, actually. You know, when he gets face-hugged, one of the scripts has his teeth being broken by the face-hugger trying to, to get him, which I'm really disappointed we didn't actually get to see that in the film. But yeah, other than that, I can't think of any other... Oh, and, and, and Spike, obviously, with the um, in Alien 3 with the leg marks on his on his face. I mean, I don't know about broken teeth. I don't think a face-hugger's, you know, vestibule or whatever you want to call that thing would, would do that. I mean, because it's like soft and squishy, right? So I don't know if I'd go that far. And yeah, the dog thing in Alien 3 was weird as, as well. I mean, I go by the, the ox cut of that movie. But I don't know. We haven't really seen this in media before. Any obvious signs around the human mouth that they've been implanted. But I mean, that that's kind of why I think it works in this book is because it's described as this subtle thing. Like she sees these cracks around the mouth or the mouths just look really dry like something's been there and there's no face huggers at all in this either yeah not it? not really well, described uh she doesn't even say she sees one dead i think it's kind of weird how they even got there in the first place because it's certainly not yeah unless said. a queen unless a queen came down on the shuttle maybe <laughs> well well this goes into like time. goes into like queen molting or stuff like that like this is this Egg is kind of like alien isolation yeah. right it's like these aliens and these eggs are coming from somewhere we just don't see it don't know where yeah and i don't think it really it doesn't like with isolation it doesn't really yeah. impact on and the that's what one of the devs said they were like yeah we assume there was a queen somewhere on the station but we didn't want to have that presence in in our story so it's just kind of assumed that one is there mystery sometimes is a good thing although there is a really really cool description of of an egg Later on, when um, when Cora's mum's talking about the aliens bringing eggs to all the colonists, and she describes it as this um, fleshy, rotten flower, right? Is how she yeah. described the egg, and I thought I thought that was actually quite cool. I liked that. But right, Viola's leg is missing because she was trying to get her mother down, and she, I guess, kicked one of the aliens, and the alien ripped her leg off. So it is kind of shown, as we've seen in other media, that the aliens won't really attack androids unless they feel that it's a threat. Except Bishop. Fuck Bishop. Yeah. I was going to say Bishop might The queen was just so pissed at that point from her hive being destroyed that she was ready to kill anything, I think. But generally speaking, unless they're being attacked by by the android, they're not really going to go after it. But since uh, Viola did attack the alien, they did remove her leg. 
And I thought that was cool. That was a nice addition as well. Again, you know, going towards some of this book actually being brutal. Yeah, it was the first part where it really, really hit her that her sister was an android because she did see like the android bits (laughs) out of her leg. And she's like, you know, you have to come with us. We're not leaving you here. And her sister is like, well, I'm too heavy. I'm too immobile. You have to cut off my head if you're taking me with you. (laughs) So fucking brutal. And that was phenomenal. I love that bit so much. Just just from the sheer emotional impact it must be having on, on Olivia to be doing this to her sister. I mean, oh, yeah, I love it. I can't remember what they used to, to cut her head off. Was it just a knife they had I can't or remember, actually. Oh, good. I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> Are you going to look that up? I can't up remember every of, minute is detail. Is it of no consequence? Okay, well, whatever. They have... They have something to cut her head off. And uh, she guides her sister through it. And she's like, I have like a secondary power unit in my head. Um, so I'll be fine. That's another thing, actually. This book talked a lot about Android power, which is not something I I can remember anything else really dealing yeah. with. I mean, I know Alien 3 had Ripley powering Bishop up again. But like, it was no concern for Ash. And I can't, not, not Ash, um... David, um, although it does get reattached and everything. But yeah, it's, that is never brought up as an issue for any of the androids in the lot. I was saying she of. needed to recharge, which that, yeah, that was kind of odd. I was like, oh, I've never seen aliens in, in I've never seen androids well, in the alien I mean, franchise do that. While nothing else talks about it, I do think it kind of makes sense. You know, Bishop does need turning back on. Ash needs turning back on. Um, David needs to be reattached. Otherwise, why did they just not let his head hang about? So while it, seemed a little uh, none of the other stuff's really talked about that i was kind of like ah but actually yeah okay i see i get you but it's like how could how could for example david on paradise survive for that long well his head was back on while they were on route so we don't actually know how long she was on the ship they talk about her recharging even when she was completely yeah because that was what some of her uh, bedroom equipment was yeah disguised as like well, um, but surely they would need recharging anyway it's not like they're running around there with nuclear power packs i just figured technology like in the, the future was probes. advanced enough they had some sort of renewable battery or whatever in the androids are they running around with those magnetic coils i don't know so when they're running their legs are going up and down and yeah recharging them. something like that i don't know i wonder how different covenant would have been if halfway through going to the temple that david just ran out of power <laughs> stopped <laughs> Well, we might not. Oh, we might fuck. not have had the aliens, and we might have got a full film with the neomorphs. And what did you do to her? Exactly what I'm gonna do to you. Battery <laughs> 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 level. You got to make sure it's you know a proper charger as well. No third party chargers. None of this seeks and power pack bullshit. Oh man, <laughs> rough. Anyway, but so did, yeah. did, did that bother you though? Was that was, a, was that a point that? I mean, it wasn't like detrimental, but it was like, well, why? I mean, we've never seen that before in the Alien franchise. Why would she need to recharge herself? It could have been though, because she was different. It could have been yeah, because maybe. she was a very unique maybe. model that was more, I guess, individualistic than androids typically are. So perhaps because of the amount of processing power she had, which they mention that. Um, that they would need to do that. But I think they mentioned it like every 24 hours, which I was like, really like that often. So yeah, that, that was a little bit strange, but anyway, 
She cuts her sister's head off. And it's funny how they describe that as well. It's like her sister's like looking at her, guiding her through the process, like smiling, like, oh, you're doing great. Like something like that. So um, it goes into detail as well about, you know, the the feeling of it being real flesh as she's cutting through it until she starts to hit like the, the mechanical parts. I was like, fucking hell. So after she removes her head, she throws her head in her backpack, I think. Or, or are they still carrying it at this point? I think, she, backpack. I think she puts it in the, the backpack. Don't forget about the worm. Oh, right. Because this was cool. A worm burst through the wall. She lures them there. Oh, that's right. Because the aliens come back. The aliens yeah. come back in the room or in the um, chamber. And she throws the, I guess, this pheromone that she picked up yeah. from her Concentrated mother's Concentrated pheromone. Onto the wall. And I guess just like tremors, you know, this lion worm bursts through the, the cave wall. I mean, there is a time delay. It's not instant. Yeah, it's not instant. But it gets in a scuffle with the alien, which allows them to escape. And so they are in the um, the ATV. She, of course, doesn't try and rescue her mother because she kind of knows her mother's doomed at this point, which is kind of fucked up, too, when you think about it. Just, you know, you would think in a family situation, reason would kind of... It kind of goes to how science-minded she is. And yeah, Viola did say, like, I tried to pull her down, they kept just rehiving her. And when I attacked them, they removed my leg. She's like, yeah, it's it's hopeless at this point. So Viola does kind of tell her that too. So they start driving away back to the colony. And then the, the worst part of the book happens, in my opinion, is right here. So Cora is like, we have to go back and get Michael <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Because he was hived up on the wall. And Olivia and... Uh, Viola are naturally like, no, we can't do that. That's that's a stupid idea because it is. And Cora's uh, like, well, we went back for your sister. Why can't we go back for my friend? And she's like, well, he's you know doomed. He has an alien embryo in him. And um, I guess she starts talking to. Oh wait, no, I've I've skipped over a big part here, right? They have like um, some close calls in the ATV where they're being chased. Oh yeah, by, the alien follows by the, one of the aliens, and then they they kind of drive into a swamp, lure some of those rhinos to attack the alien again. But Olivia ends up shooting the alien as well. And that was cool as well because of you know the, the rhino thing, hippo. No, was it? A hippo gets, it's not an actual hippo, is it? A hippo thing that's native to Zagreus, but it has that fighting with the alien and getting injured by the acid blood from the wounds that it's it's creating. So I always like it when that kind of thing comes into it. But I mean, she just ends up shooting it anyway, which is kind of weird. I was like, you have this elaborate plan to lure it into the rhino field and then you just pop it. Well, it was just to get it off their backs for a second, wasn't it? So she could take that shot. Yeah. That's true. And so she headshotted it with her like uber pistol weapon, which killed it. And after that, they're driving back to the colony. And this is where the the issue of Michael comes up. And this is a really weird part too, where Cora is talking to Viola's head. And she's like, you have to explain this to me. I'm a human. You're a machine. And she's like, well, no, I'm an android. And I don't have to explain this to you. Like, and then she looks like she's about, the book describes it as she motions as if she's about to throw Viola's head out the window. And then Olivia's like, you give her back or you're walking back to the colony. And then it skips ahead to the next chapter. And Cora's like, I'm sorry. Like, I know you wouldn't have left your own mother behind unless they were doomed. And I'm just like, I shouldn't have outbursted the way I did. And so 
she pretty much apologizes and Olivia forgives her and Viola forgives her and realizes like, this is just her dealing with a survival situation. I can't hold this against her. But you can. But I can. <laughs> Cause at this point I'm like, so Michael's your longtime friend who's an asshole. Like, why would you have a friend who's an asshole in the first place for one? Two, he's a- Oh, I bet he wasn't an asshole to- He's assaulted- your significant other five times at least. I think it was six actually. And only one of those times was was not in front of you. Literally every other time was in front of you. Like if you had a friend who insulted your, who uh, assaulted, physically assaulted your boyfriend or girlfriend that many times, would you keep them as your friend? I don't think most people would. Also, he's proven himself multiple times to be detrimental in a survival situation. Just, just only wanting to fuck things up for everyone who they only want to survive, right? So someone who constantly attacks your significant other, who constantly fucks up people just trying to survive, you're going to be like, oh, we have to go back and get him. Like that was the point where like I lost any interest I had for Cora as a character. I was just like, you're being dumb. Like, no. So that was really frustrating for me. Chris, thoughts on thoughts on that one? With Cora, never particularly liked her anyway. To me, she, she was okay. like... <sighs> Olivia was the character that seemed to have all the bravery and she needed, Cora needed Olivia basically to carry her character through the entire book, in my opinion. She was the damsel for you. She was for me. Uh, she was rather pointless throughout. But I suppose it's what partly what kept Olivia going. I, I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of Cora. I, I'm all team ship. I, I can completely understand both of you there. I mean, both Olivia and Viola are the most interesting characters in this. Oh, their dynamic, yeah. the dynamic is the most interesting character elements in in the story. And yeah, probably aside, I mean, Cora does handle the weapon and she shoots off a few bits and she's helpful a few times. But otherwise, yeah, I think she mainly just serves literally as the romantic um, motivation for Olivia but you know is is that even necessary because Olivia is also driven by keeping her sister alive and getting off with her sister so maybe she's not even really that important to the story but in this specific instance don't you guys feel like that was pretty stupid for her to say we have to go back for Michael when she didn't even protest while they were in the hive oh, she didn't absolutely. even bring him up while they were in the hive like wait no we can't leave Michael like she waits until they're halfway back to the colony when they've just gotten away from the aliens, like, no, we need to go back and get him. I'm like, what yeah, are you Yeah, like you just basically barely got out. <laughs> now you want to go back. Okay. Maybe it could just be tunnel vision. You know, they, they, they're looking for Catherine and Viola and she's not thinking about the other bollocks because at that point when they meet him, there's literally an alien on them. It's not until everything's done and there's that quiet 30 seconds that... Yeah, you know, I think after processing. after Olivia kills the alien too, she says something like, oh, you got, you got it, we won <laughs> or something. And Olivia's like, no, there's probably more. No, I do think this book might have actually been better without Cora. Yeah, and apparently we're going to see the ship sisters in the future in some well, some we, other media. We I only think. know about Olivia, right? Apparently, she's going to be in an upcoming comic, and it's also rumored that she'll be she'll have some role in the Cold Iron game. But we we can talk about that at the end. We will, yeah. But my only point with that is, is I kind of hope it's like, oh, Cora, yeah, she was just some teenage love. We broke up shortly after that. <laughs> A lot of hate going on for these teenage characters here, isn't there? We want Mike. We want Michael dead. Adam wants Cora <laughs> dumped and dropped on an asteroid it's, somewhere. It's like AVPR all over again. But <laughs> so why aren't you loving this? <laughs> well, because it's way 
worse as far as the teenage characters go. Like, honestly, I don't know. Are you looking at me or the clock? <laughs> I mean, that that that's that was, that right was right one bit. All right, they they stop for way more in this one. <sighs> who was who was the the asshole in APPR? Dale, right? Dale. Da- yeah, Michael Dale. made Dale look like a nice guy. Because as as douchey as Dale was, as soon as they got into a survival situation, like he said some dumb things here here and there, but he wasn't trying to actively sabotage their survival <laughs> like Michael but was. Don't you think that that means he works as the villain in terms no. of you hating him? No, he's just some teenage asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just like got no motive other than just being a dick. That's his motive. Yeah, but that She's doesn't make him a villain. That makes him an annoyance. And it makes yeah. it like he was in the book long enough. I'm like, can we just be done with Michael already? Can he just <laughs> die? Like, he's not like an antagonist. He's okay. just an annoyance. That's fair. I'm only playing devil's advocate. That's, that's my role. See, when you go against the previous bad guy, Sudler, yeah. man, come on. I kind of felt bad for the book coming off the back of Cold Forge anyway, because that's some really big fucking shoes to, to step straight into. But again, this is the first foray we've had in, in a young adult book in the, the Alien franchise. And as that, as a first like time doing that, I think it, it really worked, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, there's a couple of things I would change, but I'm not the target audience. But again, I do think young adult books should be able to be enjoyed by, by anyone. And I do think for the most part, this book succeeds at that. But going back Certainly, to the story... Yeah. After they had that little scuff, Cor's like, are we okay? You know, do you forgive me? I'm sorry for that stupid outburst, which naturally she should. Otherwise, I would have hated her character like Michael for the rest of the book. But yeah, she forgives her. They go back and they see the colony pretty much in ruins. There, there's one other thing I should have mentioned. I guess there's like a seaport a little ways away from the colony. Yeah, they have like a sea, a sea village yeah, or something. Which I guess was overrun earlier, which Delilah found out about but they make it back to the colony and they see the colonies destroyed i love all the imagery of the colony being just massacred and she does mira does um i guess the colony wasn't destroyed it was uh invaded yeah by the aliens at this point the book does make a point of mentioning you know the the red on the walls and uh, body parts and stuff like that which was really cool i love that yeah and they also specify like it looks like the people who put up a fight were torn apart, but most mm-hmm. of them were just yep. taken. Yeah, actually, this was one of the few books that I've ever had where any anybody that put up a fight where it wasn't worth risking trying to take them alive, they just outright killed. Yeah, which seems like what they would do. Yeah, anyway. that's what I've always taken to be the general rule of thumb when it comes to deciding who to, to kidnap and who to brain monster. It's pretty good. Although, kind of a little tangent here, it's funny in Alien Isolation how the alien kills you the entire game until the last bit where you get kidnapped. For some reason. <laughs> hey, yeah, remember that's, that? Yeah, that's, that's you, fair. You can't be perfect all the time, but it's damn near perfect. It is damn near perfect. You, I love you, that You can game. be close enough. Yeah. 9.9. Exactly. I would just give it a 10. Unless you're IGN. Six out of 10. Yeah. Six out of 10. <laughs> Fucking IGN. But check, we don't check out the, the Machinima series. Yeah, exclusive to IGN. No, that's a lie because it's on the... Um... <laughs> oh, the I, amount uh... of shit they got in the comments for that. <laughs> Six yeah. out of ten. The, Here's the new machine. The marketing decision there. Didn't they give Blackout a higher score? Yes, did they review they did. Blackout? But the woman who reviewed Blackout was the woman who did the second review of Isolation oh, they, for they, IGN. They did a second opinion because of all the heat yeah. they got. 
anyway, a little tangent there. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> the, the colony is bloodstained, dead colonists everywhere. They make out because, of course, they do before they, they make their dash for the landing bay. And Olivia, this was an interesting bit as well. You need Oli- to see the mother as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because that's a cool bit. You're right. Anyway, but before that, Olivia kind of theorizes because she's always like thinking these things you know, as a xenobiologist would think of them in in her head, which is, I like those bits of the book a lot. But she was saying, well, these aliens probably use pheromones. And these two attacked us, followed us from the hive, attacked us and took people back to the hive. And that probably drew a line from the hive to the colony with pheromones. And that's why it was easy for us to get in the hive, rescue Violet and get out is because this is when most of the aliens had left the hive and attacked the colony. So that was kind of a cool bit. Like their timing was lucky in avoiding this scourge of aliens. While fucking everybody else over at the same time. But Cora, she's she's also a little naive here too. Like, oh, your ship can fit like everybody, right? Your tiny little ship can fit everybody. We need to find survivors. And she's like, well, let's go find your mother. And they find her mother. They go back in there and it looks like the um, apartment. Oh, wait, no, they find they find another character first. There's yeah, one of the teenagers the who was with them at, at the party. Yeah. And she's like all horrified saying that her her fathers were were taken and she holds a gun at Olivia. I think she accuses Olivia of, of being the android, which is another thing I missed before. Like Delilah thought Olivia was was the android because Delilah knew that one of the ships was an android. And I guess she made an exemption to that rule because they were prominent xenobiologists and they weren't living within the colony walls anyway. And that's where they mentioned the whole uniqueness of uh, Viola's syntheticness Yeah, was when that, that you know confrontation happened right. earlier. But... Cora actually saves Olivia at this point by dashing for this other character who's holding Olivia at gunpoint and she fires, but she knocks her hand up. So she misses Olivia and then she just runs like they're like, you need to come with us. And she's like, no, this is my home, which again, it's I think they kind of I don't know, like I know the colonists were portrayed as as I guess a little ditzy and and naive in the sense of inhabiting this planet but it went a little far with that like this Mm. colony is obviously overrun you're not going to go like oh no this is my home you know she would have been in shock at that point so that's true yeah i suppose that could be true but she was like i'm i grew up here this is the only planet i've ever known this is my home and then she just runs off and of course they find her dead later i think so they go to find Cora's mother delilah and she has been impregnated. They, this is the part where they see the egg and they describe the egg like you were talking about. Well, I don't think they see the egg. I think that was Cora's. That was Delilah describing it. Oh, describing it. it. Right. And uh, Cora, being naive again, is like, oh, you need to come with us. And then Viola speaks up and she's like, yeah, your mother can't come with us. She's infested. This is what happens. Cora starts to protest. And then Cora's mother, Delilah, is like, no, she's right. I am infested. You need to go with her. Then an alien pops up, but this is where we see the lion worm alien, which is cool because I always appreciate the DNA reflex brought up. I think that is probably one of this book's memorable points because, you know, we've known about the DNA reflex forever. You know, the runner's a, a prominent one, the pred alien's a prominent one, but otherwise it's not really something that gets toyed around with a lot the cold forge dabbled in it a teeny weeny little bit to the point where you know it made note of the fact that the aliens had chimp proportions rather than human proportions so when this hybrid came out full-blown cilia waving away uh, serrated uh, inner jaw inner tongue thing rather than the traditional 
a beakish kind of face. I was like, damn, they're going full in on this. So I, I guess that's one of the things I'm interested in, in knowing what you guys think about. You know, was it was it a reasonable amount of DNA reflex or did you think they'd gone full Kenner? To be honest with you, any time that things like this are brought up, I really tend to dig it. I know I know the Kenner ones are a bit silly, but I don't know. The way that it was described mixed with the lion worm is perfect. I think I think it works. I really enjoyed it. The only thing I would have changed is the beak, because aliens have just always had teeth. So the fact that this one had a beak, I thought took the DNA reflex a little far. But other than that, I mean, the actual description of its physical form, I think worked for me. Now, what about what about this um, conflict part? Because what's coming up next is the alien literally rips apart Cora's mom. Um, no care but that's after whatsoever she's for the, attacked, uh, right? The normal. Doesn't Delilah attack it? Yeah, she gets in the way, but she's still killed by this thing. When she's torn to pieces, there's a note made of the fact that the uh, the undeveloped embryo slips out of the gore, and this hybrid stomps away on it. Yeah, that that part was a little weird, and then Olivia kind of theorizes as well that the yeah these different strains of of the aliens will you know battle for dominance which we've never seen that in the dna reflex i think also olivia kind of she also thinks this as well she's like well maybe they wouldn't fight each other because that wouldn't be productive like she kind of thinks about this like maybe it just stepped on it because it it was dead and it didn't even like it didn't even think about it it didn't intentionally step on it it just stepped on it but you've got Chet pimp slap an alien, if I remember right. But they? that was just it was you know asserting its dominance. It wasn't like they weren't like actively fighting each other at all in that movie. This wasn't like genocide or anything. I think the closest we've really got is ADF's um, Neomorph versus the alien. There, there is the genocide thing. I suppose so. Well. I kind of think of this honestly like the first EVP movie, right? Like Scar has a an embryo in him, but the Queen still fatally wounds him because he's attacking it. So I think just the fact that Delilah's mother tried to obstruct this alien, tried to attack it, was enough to get it to attack her back. Okay, so you you don't think there's anything? No, I think, and, and, and Olivia kind of mentions this as well. Like, she thinks about it. She's like, maybe the two strains would kind of fight for dominance. But she, I think there's a point where she's also like, but that would be counterproductive to the hive. So I think she kind of weighs both scenarios, and the book doesn't push that no, narrative either It just way. sort of presents it as a, a thought. But what, what what did you think about her um, Delilah's death then? It was pretty brutal. It was another surprisingly gory moment in this book. Very fitting for universe. Yep, not something I was expecting from a young adult book at all. But yeah, very, very fucking brutal. So much of the book was really. Let's be honest. I mean, if I were Olivia, I'd be fucking broken down in a corner somewhere, pulling my hair. But this out. is one of the things that kind of bothered me about the whole book in general is that there just doesn't seem to be any emotional impact at the time. It's just like, no, just keep going. I mean, maybe that's just because there doesn't seem to be a flipping minute to stop yeah. of time. Yeah, the, this book is very fast paced, and and that was something I actually quite yes. liked about it. I bet, I bet, once they're on that ship waiting for that rescue at the end, that this shit's all just gonna hit. Olivia even mentions that, right? She's like, I want to stop and break down, but if yeah, I because do that, she's the die. driving yeah, she force of the survival at the minute. Yeah. Which is fair to her, because again, I feel like that's all learned, you know, with what she's learned from her mother and her father and what we've seen of her fierce sort of devotion to her sister. None of that felt like, a, eh, I don't believe this to me. I, I completely brought into into her and that driving that driving to survive. I think the only little bit of wavering she does is after her mother's died, and then, like you say, they come to the colony, and then they go back, and then she, when she's watching that video of her mother on the monitor, is the only real yeah. time that she wavers. 
it hits home at that point that yeah. mom's gone. Mom's gone. So after this part, they leave Cora's penthouse and head for the landing bay. And this was another instance where Viola's like, you have to leave me behind. And this was in an interesting part of the colony, too. They talk about it like it was a park that had all these earth trees, but it wasn't used by a lot of the colonists because it was too much of a reminder of home. And she was saying some of the pheromone that you used in the cave got on me. So this that's why this lionworm alien was drawn to us. So that's an, another interesting thing about the DNA reflex is that the pheromone crossed over and that was something that was still part of the lineworm that the alien lineworm still recognized was that pheromone. It'd be a good trait to have anyway, just for identifying locations for right. hosts. But they, um, she's like, listen, you can make a backup of, like there's a backup of my consciousness in your bag. I won't remember anything that happened here in the colony, but you'll still have me. Which again is kind of a weird thought, like, right? You, you resurrect your sister. Oh yeah, you died. <laughs> I found out about everything. But no, they they refused to do that. Both her and Olivia and Cora are like, no, we're not leaving you behind. Um, not after all this. So they dash for the landing bay. They get inside and then the lionworm alien shows up again knocks Cora out and Olivia leads it away into the the main hangar. And then there's this kind of climactic sequence where she climbs up onto this catwalk. The lionworm alien follows her and she kind of climbs underneath the catwalk and shoots out the support struts for one of the segments of it. And this causes the lionworm alien to fall down onto this sharp machinery below and kills it. It doesn't kill it at this point. Oh, she it doesn't completely kill it. It critically injures it, and then she goes down and finishes it off with that, that weapon. But at this point, they'd also been shooting at it anyway, and they'd made a point of like mentioning just how good its exoskeleton was as, as armor. So I actually really like just how hardy this, this hybrid was to kill. You know, it survived being impaled, and it was starting to try and work its way off, off all the metal and... and Stabbiness. Well, that was another trait it probably inherited from the lionworms because Olivia even mentions that the lionworm, she when it attacks her in the beginning of the book, she's like, "I wouldn't be able to pierce it." Okay, its I can't remember anyway. that, but fair point then. It's when she throws. It's when she throws the machete into the the plant, the pollen plant, to distract it. She's saying like, "I wasn't going to use it on the." Ah, well, there's a difference it, between it a machete and this beastly ass hunting pistol. Right. I'm just saying it was have. mentioned that the lionworms have pretty strong hides, so that was just probably something extra inherited but what 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 did you think about how you know the 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 hybrid then in terms of its difficulty because you know one of the things that the expanded universe tends to be quite guilty of is the ease in which people get rid of the aliens i didn't feel that in this book at all no they didn't really get blown away did they in this yeah it took effort and i think we've seen that in a lot of aliens media recently the aliens have been more portrayed as as the alien kind of aliens is how they are in the first movie is pretty much unkillable even though some of them do get killed they're not like the aliens aliens that are just kind of mowed down with machine gun fire and almost any of the recent media i don't know though i mean i haven't read resistance yet and that looks like it's a bit more of an aliens feel yeah there's a lot of mowing down in that one but i will talk about that one when rescues come out i think we'll do a two for for those but um, I mean, in a lot of the novels, you know, in like Out of the Shadows, this is like an Out of the Shadows portrayal of the aliens where they are a serious threat. And some of them do get taken down, but it takes a lot of work to take them down. Mm. Different as well. You know, I like the fact that they use the wildlife. I like that they lure the big bads and um, 
it wasn't throwing it out an airlock or throwing it in some lava or something like that. I liked that this was different with how it handled how to deal with the right. aliens. So at this point, um, Olivia checks on Viola, who's apparently not feeling good. I guess she's running low on the power we talked about before. And so she goes back to uh, wake up Cora because Cora was knocked unconscious and kind of takes her over her arm, takes her to the ship. And the ship's pretty much autopilot, so she just activates it and they get out of there. And that's kind of the end of the book. And it ends like right when the ship gets into orbit. And she kind of says that the ship is not meant for long distance space travel. It was a ship that docked onto a larger ship that would go on like the shipping lanes and stuff. And so she sends out a distress call uh, and the book kind of ends right there. So kind of a cliffhanger ending, but even though they did all escape kind of reminds me of, you know, like the first alien, although she's not quite as in the middle of nowhere as, as Ripley was, or even like dead space, you know, the the ending of that game is kind of similar. I know you haven't played that yet, Aaron, you really need to. I know, still on no, the desktop. No, play Dead Space. No. Who are you? <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. It was a good ending. I kind of would have, I, I don't know. Like, do you ever get happy endings in alien stories? Like, I would have kind of liked it. Like, oh, they make it back to Earth and they meet the brother. But I don't know. I mean, they had already been through so much at this point that getting into that might have made it a bit, I don't know. Like, maybe an epilogue would have been merited. But I don't know. What do you guys think? What I find super interesting is that ship. Still up there. Yeah, very true. The research ship. Yep. yep. So that's a potential location for um sequel. Potential alien RPG material. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a scenario <laughs> we've already started. That's fair. But we know she survives as well anyway. We know there is story after this. And I guess my question is, are you guys interested in seeing Olivia's story continue when it comes to this rising threat? Is it like, yes, I want to yes. see I want to see her, her In life. In my yes. opinion, Olivia and Viola are both great characters, and I would like to see them again. Cora, not so much. Yep, I couldn't give two damn about Cora. I completely agree there. I really like that. I don't know if she's the next Amanda, I, I feel. And if anything, I think she'll be good because it means we're not going to be necessarily relying, or we don't have to rely on the Ripley name going forward which is always good as far as I'm concerned. As much as I like Amanda, I think it'd just be nice to have new recurring characters. Like I've been saying, I worry about Amanda being turned into this hero who's who's encountered the aliens all these times because then it kind of, it feels off that she's just a passing note by the movie Aliens, um, which is maybe why the company, maybe why she was a passing note is because they didn't want to get into all the, the trouble she's caused them. But having her have encountered the aliens that much rather than just alien isolation, like we were skeptical about that at first, even her involvement in that, but it was done so well that we bought into it. But having her encounter the aliens continuously after that with uh, resistance and now rescue, if they keep pushing it with Amanda, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know, like it feels a bit excessive. I think after isolation, you just go for broke. I mean, at the end of the day, she's encountered it once and she's survived. That's already broken what we'd heard of as far as the special edition anyway. So fuck it, just keep going. But as far as I'm concerned, what I like is that we're getting a larger cast to go with her. You know, we've got Zula, we've got the ships now. They're working on Brand, on Alec Brand, uh, who is the main guy in Rescue. So they're assembling a little bit of an ensemble for whatever, you know, this wherever the story's going at the minute, you know, I, I wonder if 
those guys might also show up in the cold um the cold iron thing now honestly and i've i've told you this plenty aaron is the expanded universe is great right now it's what's keeping me engaged as a fan right now because the last two mainline movies of both alien and predator have really disappointed me but the expanded universe it's better than it's ever been like you said it's like the second golden it's age good time to be a right fan now, personally there's just so yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's much content in terms of comics, novels, and hopefully more games coming forward. I mean, we had that surprise announcement of, of Ilphonic's Predator title, and we still have the, the Cold Iron game on the horizon. So it is a good time to be a fan. And the expanded universe is great. I have to give Titan, Dark Horse, and with this one, Imprint credit for all this material that they've been providing with us, which is really well written and written by people who are obviously fans of this material. So yeah. I really appreciate this book and I you're right Aaron I do need to read more of these books because so many of them are good and and when I do read them I'm like man I need to check out some of the other new books cuz these are really good. With that in mind the the last question of the day is do we recommend this to fans to others I mean even even considering that this is not aimed at the majority of the fan base would you still say give it a go? Yeah I would. I mean, if you're if you're an alien fan, there's I think there's enough there that that'll interest you. It's an engaging read, even with its problems here and there and Michael, uh, but it's still it's still a good book. I definitely recommend it. Yep, yeah, I'd recommend it as well. It's, it's certainly not my favorite book, as I said, uh, as the ones that have been released recently. But I, I think it's worth buying and going through just for the ships, personally, because they are going to be in some of the future stuff, and I cannot wait see how she goes from the xenobiologist to colonial marine do do we know she's becoming a colonial marine like maybe it's something along the lines of what her mother did where she's still a xenobiologist but stationed with colonial marines i don't know maybe i hang, hang on let's let's have a quick read of the yeah man that would be unlucky if she ran into him again <laughs> as a xenobiologist She's the the description is uh, this new series introduces Olivia Ship, leader of a squad of battle weary marines who have defied orders to rescue the survivors of a refinery under siege. So that kind of implies that she's their CO. So I yeah. would expect her to be in the military ladder. I completely forgot to mention how much I guiltily love the prime and subprime thing in this. Oh really? Oh right. Uh, it yeah. Didn't really, yeah. Didn't really bother me too much. I mean, I know it's corny as shit, but I love it like I love... It is awful, but like I love the chicks and dicks line from um, Colonial Marines as much as I love the prime and subprime thing from this. I think it's one of them things, isn't it, where you get kids these days and they say things, and then as adults as we are, it's like, what? Yeah, it, it was a kids these days thing. For yeah. Sure. That's a good descriptor for it. Yeah, it, it was. I always want to start the podcast with the chicks and dicks line, and I'm totally going to be using subprime and prime going forwards in this thing so apologies (laughs) in advance to uh, everybody who disliked that but yeah i i completely agree with you guys you know yeah it has some things that we're not keen on but in general there's just so much in this that i thoroughly enjoyed which which i realized you know talking to you chris going through it and made me realize that yes this deserves it's not uh, deserves an episode. Ridgetop and I should be interviewing Mira Grant, aka Seanan uh, Maguire, the author, next week as of recording. Um, it'll probably be out after this one as well. That's awesome. Well, after that confession of uh, prime nature, is there any extra tidbits that we haven't touched upon as we've done our, our read through? I don't know. Anything you guys want to discuss? I don't think so. No, I've I've checked off all my uh, talking points as we've gone through them. 
No, I, th- I honestly do think with this book, provided you can get past or look past the, oh my God, we're under attack, quick, kiss me and touch my boob <laughs> thing, then it's, it's a good book. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, it's, it's actually good to have been back and spent a couple of hours talking aliens because it feels like it's been forever since we've done this. Because I know, I know we kind of ramped down on on production of stuff because I was cracking out, you know, two, three a month. And the last couple of months have just been a little bit quieter, but it's been good. I've enjoyed this. Um, so thank you to you guys as well, actually, for joining in. As always, if you're interested, we are on all the socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube as well. Although YouTube doesn't really count as a social, it's antisocial more than anything. But it's another content platform. And uh, if you're interested, give us a look where there is Alien vs. Predator Galaxy or AVP Galaxy. This has been Corporal Hicks. And Cherry. Ridgetop. Signing off. <laughs>